Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Fun. Oh, we're going to have fun this morning. I got my special people with me. Hello. Who are you? can introduce yourself. Who are you? Hello, my name is Samara Olivia Prescott. Samara I'm Olivia. Yeah, you are. I'm including the middle name now. Oh, you're including oh, the middle name. I'm saying the full name. Um, my name is Jazz Austin Santiago Narciso. Whoa, you have so. four names in there. All right. All oh, these guys are great. If you don't know these two, they are some of our Bible school grads. Yay. Yeah, you are a Bible school grad, and so they, you know, they're, they're pretty awesome. They're part of our CLY team. They're yes. our youth pastors. We have a team of youth pastors. Yeah. Shout out to all the teens that are yeah. here today. There you go. Love you guys. So, Love all of you. Oh, yeah. There you <laughs> go. Oh, this, okay, so this is what we're doing. We are starting, as you saw, we, a new series. It's called Bible Bumps. Bible bumps, unpacking the stuff that doesn't make sense. Some of you had stuff that doesn't make sense when you're reading the Bible. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah loads of it. Hello. And um, so we're going to have a different format over the next couple of weeks. We're having some conversation because sometimes it's, I feel like when it comes to some of the confusing things, this is just, a, this is how to understand, how to read and understand your Bible. If you just try to get it on your own, you're probably going to get it wrong. And we need to talk things out. In fact, the Bible was meant to be in read in community. But anyway, so, but when we, we call, the reason we call it Bible bumps is because, I don't know about you, but when you read the Bible and you get to the stuff that's hard, it's confusing, you don't understand it, you kind of bump over it. Yeah. Yes. Do you do that? All the time. All the time. <laughs> so there's a lot that's confusing. So Jazz and Sam, what are some, give some examples of maybe, do you have a challenging verse or part of scripture that's kind of like been a, a bump over for you? It's just like, I just don't get this. Like, why the heck is this in the Bible? I mean, one of the biggest bumps I've had for the longest time was like miracles. And oh. like just like believing and like something in, as insane as like some person all of a sudden, like who wasn't able to walk before is able to walk all of a sudden, and you're like, how on earth did they do that? Wow. And it's like, is that like even scientifically possible to oh, be able to do the scientific part. So I okay. like to think on like, how is that like working and how does that work? And so one of the biggest things for me was like healing and miracles. And mm. that was something that I bumped over for the longest time. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting one. How would you say? Um, Can I bump over? Yeah, I think mine would be um, in Exodus when uh, the Israelites are about to flee Egypt and the angel of death comes and oh. kills all of the firstborn children. And I don't, the angel of death thing is really confusing to me. Like, it seems like it's a Hollywood story. And then I don't, like, to be honest, I did three years of Bible college, and I'm still like, I don't really know what's going on there. <laughs> so yeah, three I years really... of Bible college, you still don't get all the answers. There are a lot. Like, some of the, I mean, you, all you need to do is read through the Old Testament, and especially the book of Leviticus, all the killing of animals and, you know, slicing other neck and draining the blood. And it's kind of like. And it's so graphic. It's very graphic. I mean, there's like, oh, uh, what's that lady that, like, Put a temp peg through a guy's temple. Oh, JL. I was like, what's yes. the purpose of this? Yeah. <laughs> she tell tell the story quickly. What was that story? Oh, I can't, I can't. You don't remember? She just I just I just remember because it was like the king or the evil king mm, that was guy. running away. And all of a sudden he like slept into his like girl's tent. And it was like the girl like, picked up a peg, put it up his temple, and then boom. And like a like, tent peg. What a what a champ. And, yeah. it was what a champ. Like, and she was, was the like, hero of the story. She was. The hero she was. Of the story. was Bible. Like, I know. When she I read it, I was like, hero. murderer. 
There's a lot. Like even, I mean, even some of the scriptures that talk about, you know, when Joshua was leading God's people into the promised land, like God gave instructions like to kill everybody. That didn't make sense. Or, you know, when Samuel, for Samuel, where God gave instructions to Saul, like you need to go and completely destroy the Amalekite nation, men, women, children, cattle, sheep, everything. It just doesn't make sense. But I think the weirdest one is in the book of Judges. You remember this story? Or the Levite? (laughs) The Levite's concubine. She was gang raped. Oh, yeah. Died. And then he cut her body part. He cut her body into 12 pieces and sent the parts all throughout the nation of Israel. Yeah, how's that for? Read your Bible and, you know, love Jesus. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. Okay, so how do you guys, how do you handle, like, are, how do you handle those things? Like, are there still some of the scriptures, like, Jazz, you mentioned miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other scriptures where when you get to those, like, how do you handle those Bible bumps? Like, things that really challenge your faith. Like, what have you done? How do you navigate that? Um, I like to find resource, like, trusted resources. What's a trusted resource? Bible Project. They're on YouTube. Oh, okay. They also have Bible plans on version, like the Bible app. But on YouTube, you can just type in whatever it is from the Bible. So if it's like the book of the Bible, you don't understand what's going on, or if it's a story, and then just type yeah. in Bible project. Sometimes it comes right up, and I've learned a lot. So is you, so is YouTube a trusted source? I don't know if I would necessarily say YouTube is a trusted source, but I know Bible Project. Bible Project. Is org is a very trusted. How about you, yeah. Jazz? Is there anything um, you found that helps? For me, well, when it comes to miracles and healing, actually people's stories and testimonies are so powerful. And like one of the stories, like um, like there was a teen at one point that had like a knee problem. Is this a real came, teen that you know? Teen. One of the teens yeah, from our church. Oh, church. cool. Okay. Yeah. So like one time he came in with a knee problem and then uh, JD, I think it was that prayed over him and his knee was healed. And I was like, how is that possible? And then I went to Bible college, and then I had a stomach ache for like the whole day. And one of my Bible college classmates actually prayed over me, That's and cool. then instantly, yeah. the worst stomach ache I've ever had was gone. Wow. And so it's just, it's so powerful. Like, whenever you guys have a testimony, a story to tell, like, tell yes. it, mm-hmm. because it actually helps so somebody good. be yeah. able to wow, that is a tangible thing that I could see. And it's incredible. That is really good. I think stories, like those personal stories, or even your own personal struggles, reading through scripture. Like I think something in our our North American culture, we don't want to look like we don't know everything. Would you kind of agree? Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. We would, because, we, and, you know, it's like, well, we try to make something up. We're saying, I actually don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. I have no clue why that story in Judges about the guy cutting up his concubine and sending her body parts. I have no idea. It's just weird. Yeah. It's super weird. So let's jump into our topic. So over the next couple of weeks, just kind of like a main theme topic that we're going to be unpacking and talking about. And next week, JD has got some guys on. They're going to be talking about some cool stuff. This week, our topic is angry God. Angry God. How many of you ever felt like, you know, your picture, your image of God is just, he's just perpetually mad at me all the time. Yeah, yeah, hello, yeah. So, like, we're going to, I mean, there's lots of stories. Like, I mean, already talked about Joshua and the nation of Israel going into the promised land and, you know, God giving instructions to wipe all these people out. Like, it just seems like God was always directing his people to, like, kill other nations, He just seems mad, or you read through like the prophets, the book of the prophets, where he just seems mad at his people all the time. Well, here's a couple verses we're just going to look, we'll read a couple, and here's one of the stories, Leviticus 10. Aaron, 
Who was the priest? So first of all, this is when Israel was in the desert. They're kind of getting, you know, they've come out of Egypt. They've been out for a while. And this is about, they're in the tabernacle. And this is Leviticus is a book of worship and how they're supposed to, you know, approach God. Aaron, who was a priest, his sons, Nadab and Abihu, each took his own fire pan. It's like a censer. If you grew up in the Catholic church, it was that swinging thing that the priest would swing and all the incense would fly out. If you were Catholic, you know what I'm talking about, the shwini, that thing. It's like a censer. They put fire in it, placed incense on it, and presented unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them to do. Here we go. Then fire came from the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Great. Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has spoken. I will demonstrate my holiness to those who are near me, and I will reveal my glory before all the people. And this last sentence is a kicker. And Aaron remained silent. Emphasis. That's brutal. What'd you say? Emphasis on silent. On silent. Like Aaron, like his two sons just died. Like he saw them like incinerated before his eyes, and he didn't say anything. That's pretty brutal. Here's another story. Many, 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 many hundreds of years later, 2 Samuel 6. So the Ark of the Covenant, if you're familiar with the original Indiana Jones, that Ark, it was a big box kind of thing, angels on it, you know. I don't know if you actually open the top and your face is melted, but it's kind of sounding like maybe that might have happened. <laughs> but the Ark had been with Israel for centuries, and because of their carelessness, it got kidnapped. It got taken away by the enemy, and David, they had recovered the ark, and they were bringing it back. So, 2 Samuel 6, it says, they placed the ark of God on a new cart. Now, first of all, that was not what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to carry it on their shoulders. So, mess that up. They placed the ark on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, where it had been sitting. Uzzah and Ahio... Abinadab's sons were guarding, guiding the cart and carried the ark of God. David and all the people of Israel, they were celebrating before the Lord. So here is this train coming in to his train of people, and they got the ark on a cart. And they have David, and everybody's like, it's the band is playing. They're having a party. It's this big celebration. And, but when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark. Seems like a good thing to do because the ark is holy, and you don't want it to fall off the cart, right? Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark. Dang. Yeah, dang is right. That sucks. That sucks. That's pretty bad. <laughs> so... This picture, who's ah, it's just like <laughs> this picture of angry God, like God's harsh judgments. This can be difficult, not just like for people who don't believe in God, but for believers. Like maybe you're actually one of those people. It's just like this is why I have a really hard time with this whole yeah. Bible thing. And you know, something I just can't believe in a God like that. And just, have either of you guys, have you struggled with that tension, like this tension that, this is very obvious, God's angry, but yet we also read about God being, God is love. Yeah. Like, how do you reconcile that? So, go for it. Comments on that? You, have, you can go first. <laughs> um, 
initially, I did struggle with it at first. I mean, like you just imagine an angry God who you've been taught to be also incredibly loving. And so, and anger is seen by a lot of people as a negative form of emotion. Wow. And whatever it is, whether it's like um, getting angry at another person, the other person would probably feel fear, anxiety, and stress. And so to be able to receiving that angry, it's kind of scary. It is. And so, and to imagine God like that is, is, is so hard sometimes. And it's just like, you're supposed to be loving. But in truth, God doesn't actually want to punish people. Like, um, nor does he ever want to get angry with people. God's first setting is always a call to repentance and like conviction. Yeah. His first and setting. His first setting. Like, that's like, a great description. I mean, there are multiple examples in the Old Testament where um, God has called people back to him. It doesn't matter what the sin was. It doesn't matter what they've done on who they were. If the people that were willing to change direction and turn to God, God's anger was, wasn't even there and there yeah. was no judgment. Yeah. However, when um, back in, in the Old Testament days, they deliberately chose to to sin against God yeah. and to choose to to follow whatever the desires of their hearts were. And so, I mean, in Ezekiel 33.11, it's not on there, so I'm going to read it off here. Ezekiel 33.11, it says, As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. Wow. Highlight on the wicked people. And so it's like, I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so they can live. Turn. Turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. Why should you die? And so just reading this verse to me is such a heartbreaking moment because God is pleading for his people. And in the Bible, God calls us his masterpiece, the work of art. And so to see something so beautiful uh, victimize themselves in pursuit of something else wow. is such a heartbreaking thing. And out of that desperate love that God has, because he has so much, comes anger yeah. to call you back to, mm -hmm. to himself. And so, yeah, and so like sometimes people have this premonition of a mean, angry God, but we too are angry sometimes, and sometimes our anger comes from the wrong things. Yeah. Yeah. And so as reflections of Jesus, we too have um, a reflection of love in us. And so that's like, that's what God wants us to kind of like be in and so yeah, like to live story. out that love. So, yeah. That's a great explanation. I like that God's first setting is love. Yeah. Do you got anything else to add to that, Sam? Yeah, I liked what you said at the beginning with like the anger of the human emotion. I think sometimes we have our own like preconceptions of what we think anger is because we yeah. either have like past trauma or it's just like, or it's the only way that we've experienced anger. And I think that we need to like define what biblical anger is like what God's That's anger good, is because yeah. he's different from us. Like right. he's, he's the creator of the universe. He's not, yeah. he's not human. And so it's like, he doesn't like succumb to the like sin nature of our anger. What would that look like? The sin side of anger? Uh, like I physical, like it's physical. Like I don't, well, I mean also like God struck people dead. So that's kind of physical, <laughs> but like, I don't like, it's like God's not coming down to like smack us or to like beat us. Right. Like he, he's, he's concerned with us. And I think that's ultimately like where God's anger comes from. It comes from a place of concern that we're not living the way that he set us out to live. And we don't have like, I don't know, in the society that we live in, we don't have this, like, holy reverence for, like, an almighty God. Right. And it's, like, he's not yeah. supposed to be just our best friend and, like, a guidance counselor. Like, he's the creator <laughs> of the universe. It's Like, true. there should be, yeah. we should be fearful of him, but, yeah. like, in a good way. Yeah. Because he created us. He created everything that we can yeah. see and that we can't see. Yeah. And so I think it's, like, why do we think that God doesn't have a right to be angry with us? Right. Like, right. we don't listen to him most of the time. Yeah, and, like, we do yeah. whatever we want. We do. Yeah. 
And I think that's, and I think that's a good explanation. There is that tension because I, you know, what I mentioned earlier, and maybe you can relate too. It's like I remember growing up, thinking, like having this idea that God was mad at me all the time. Mm. You know, and I think that's where, you know, because, you know, I definitely was not being good all the time, you know. And so you kind of have this angry idea, like this idea that God is just like mad and he's like, oh, he's wanting to smite me. And, you know, and I think there's that tension. And I think this whole idea of there's a tension and like intention being not like, oh, it's kind of tense, but tension as in there's this pull in like two seemingly opposite directions. But that tension is needed Because, like, even in your body, like, there's tension in your body between the ligaments and, you know, holding up the different body parts. You know, if you didn't have tension in your body, you'd be a bag of bones, you know? Or, you know, if you've ever been in a tent that loses its tension and it collapses on you, that's not fun. And so I think there is this tension. Have you wrestled with that, Sam, about, like, that idea of God being, like, mad at you all the time? Or how have you navigated through that? Um, I... Oh, this is a hard question. Yeah, we didn't talk about I this know one. I know, I'm throwing you off. <laughs> um, I, yeah, like you said, the ten, like I wrote here, I was like, there's a tension of the cross and Jesus being the one who like stands between us and God. And then, but like me also having to own up to like oh, when I'm good, disobedient yeah. to God. And I like, none of us want to confront our sin. It's not yeah. fun to admit your sin before God or to admit it to your peers and to be like, this is what I struggle with. And I know I'm like deliberately going against yeah. what God wants for me. Like, it's not fun to do that. Yeah. And so I think it's, I don't know. I feel like this last season of my life has been like a really tense part where okay. it's like, I started counseling in the new year and it's like this tense part of being like, okay, where do I actually feel like God's anger and where is it just shame oh, that's like coming okay. in? And so I think right. there's, okay. this is oh, something good. that my counselor taught me. So she's in here actually. I'm, <laughs> I'm listening, but it's, um, but it's like, it's like, like shame condemns us and it says that we're the problem, right. but guilt should convict us to like change our way. And so it's, so I think good. that's where yeah. it's like God's anger it should convict us to change our ways. It shouldn't shame right. us and condemn us to think that we're deficient and that we messed up and that we're going to hell. It's like it should change us to want to be better, to want to choose him, to choose right. the creator of the universe. Right. Yeah. How about you, Jazz? Have you struggled with that? Like feeling like God's angry at you all the time? Because um, I think some people do. So, yeah, definitely. And I think it's like um, I personally like haven't like struggled with it, but like... One of the biggest things I think is because like sometimes with what we think God's anger is like is like coming out of a temper, you know, yeah, like God yeah. doesn't like we equate anger as we see it in our own experiences. Yeah, right. And so I think that's one of the biggest things. It's just like it's a perspective like what is it that um, you see anger as? Because God's anger is higher than our anger. Like we don't right. even understand it. In the Bible, it says uh my ways are higher than your ways, yeah. and our thoughts is higher than your thoughts. Yeah. And so I feel like when his anger ar- is aroused for um, for whatever reason, and typically it's sin, yeah. and so it's just like you have to ask yourselves the question as to why do I fear God's anger all the time? If you are struggling with that tension every day, it's just like ask yourself, it's like, why is it that am yeah. I fearful of God's yeah. anger all the time? Is it because of the way that you're living? What is it about your part of your life that's wow. causing that anxiety and stress oh, as to what your anger, is, like, as to why you think God is angry at you all the yeah. time? And so like for me, I think one of the biggest things as Christians is just like being able to um, confront whatever it is that's conflicting in your 
your heart and be able to realize that it's just like, oh, this might be causing me shame and guilt. However, I want to bring it up to God right. because if this tension and fear of anger is controlling who I am, yeah, then right. I am not living out of what God has promised right. or has purposed me to be. Right. And so I think in that tension, I've, that's a something that like God's anger is a tension that I've kind of like haven't struggled with that much. However, when I was a kid, I think anger was a big part of my life. Wow. And so I do not want to equate God's anger as to what my wow. anger is hmm. as a child was experienced or experienced as. So yeah. if that makes different. sense. It totally makes sense. I know one of the, the pictures that God just, this is even recently, it was just kind of like a new, kind of like a new comparison analogy. It's like if you imagine, you know, the comparison of God's wrath and his judgment, imagine there is this huge, massive ocean liner barreling through the waters and in, right in its path is this tiny little fishing boat, you know, and the big ocean liner is sending out message after message and, you know, horns and, you know, get out of the way, get out of the way, clear the way, clear the way. And the boat just sits there, doesn't move. Well, the boat's like taken out by the boat because it didn't follow the yeah. instructions yeah. to get out of the way. And, you know, and I think, I think God's wrath against sin or his anger against sin is a bit like that picture. And, yeah. you know, when sin is present, I think we forget that God's nature, it's not just, anger isn't just something he expresses. Like, there's this aspect of God's justice yeah. being his nature. And, you know, scripture, it describes God as, yeah, he's the God, he is God is love, but he's also the all-consuming yeah. fire. <laughs> That's what Hebrews describes it. God is an all-consuming fire. Your God is an all-consuming fire. And, you know, and I think that's where, you know, when, when sin is present because of God's nature, his nature, it erupts against sin. Yeah. And God's desire is never that people would be caught in that eruption yeah. of his anger against sin. Yeah. Imagine like torching it. But if we hang on to the stuff that God wants to torch, we end up getting torched. Yeah. <laughs> People, and so God's anger, and I think you had made kind of mention of this earlier, Jazz, God's anger is never, it, it, God's anger is against the sin. And, and sin being, and I think we need to even expand that definition, sin isn't just something we do that's wrong. Yeah. Sin is what we are. We're sinners. Yeah. We're really, really bad. That flies in the face of all of our upbringing and our teachers who said, you can be anything you want to be. Yeah. You're awesome. Yeah. You're great. You're also a sinner. We're also a sinner. We're also they bad. We are worse than what we actually know we are. And, um, you know, somebody had, somebody had once said, oh, we're going to have to go on. Okay, so we'll keep going. I'm going to read my last verse, and then we'll, we'll jump to this other one. Um, you might want to jump, lump your two things together. Okay, I'm going to read. This is another crazy verse. Because this isn't just Old Testament. It's New Testament. This is New Testament. Acts chapter 5. Welcome to church. A man, so here's the background. A man and his wife, Ananias and Sapphira, they sold some property, and they brought some of the money to the apostles to church so they could distribute it and help the poor, the widows, and take care of all the, you know, the, the leadership, and the, the needs would be met. The only problem was, they said, here's the full amount. We, they just lied about the amount. They said, well, here's what, we're we brought this X amount, but really they kept something for themselves. <clears throat> Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell, and after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. 
How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. <laughs> Everyone who heard about it was terrified. <laughs> about three hours later, his wife comes in, not knowing what had happened. She's probably looking for him. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? And she said, yes, that's the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the Holy Spirit of the Lord like this? The young man who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. And instantly she fell to the floor and died. That's intense. That is intense. When the young man came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church. No kidding. And everyone else who heard what had happened. Okay, this is, reading this, this is hard to imagine God loving. This is this side of the cross. Comments on that. How, like, do you think some of these hard verses, like, do you think, I wonder if some of these stories, like this story, and maybe even the stories like at the beginning, like, do you think maybe God's trying to communicate something to us or tell us something about who he is? Like, what do you think? I don't know. Got some thoughts um, on like, that? Okay, I think this question's a little uncomfortable, but it's, who are we to think that we don't deserve death? Wow. And it's like, like I said earlier, like God is the creator of the universe and we are dirty, rotten sinners. Like I, I say that every week to my girls in small group at youth. They know, they're like, Samara, you say that a lot. But it's like, it's true. And who are we to think that we don't deserve death? And I, I think there's this aspect where, like in Romans, it says, if you confess with your mouth and if you believe that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. Right. Like that, that is the reality that we have as Christians. But it's not just this, oh, I said yes to Jesus and I'm good with him. Yeah. I think uh, like we have to keep choosing the kingdom of God. We have to keep right. choosing him. And yeah. Nathan Finocchio said, he's like, salvation isn't a line that we cross, but it's a direction that we're going. Wow, that's really and good. so I think if, like, if you think that you're just good with God and you can get away with whatever you want because you said yeah. yes to Jesus and you're a Christian... I don't, I don't know if you are. I say that not as a pastor who's ordained on platform. I just say that as a girl, but it's like, <laughs> just as a young girl, so don't hold, don't hold me to it. But I think it's like, we need to be choosing God and we need to be yeah. choosing his ways and constantly checking our hearts and making sure that we are going the direction that he has for us because he, he's not just angry. He, he knows what we're after. He knows our heart's intentions. He knows what we want more than anything. Yeah. And so when we choose him, he knows that we're trying to choose him. And yes, when we sin and mess yeah. up, there's grace. I think that's where like right. the tension of Jesus who stands before us and has made us right comes in. But I think that if we, if we just think we're good to do whatever we want and live however we please because we said yes to Jesus, yeah. and then we can go off and do our own thing but not actually choose him, wow. I don't know. I don't personally think that's what Christianity and being a follower right. of Jesus is. Right. Yeah. Right. How about you, Jazz? Any comments on this hard um, story? I think it's just like when you say yes to Jesus, and it's a it's a relationship that you're committing to. And one of the biggest things is like you don't get into a relationship and then go see somebody else. Oh. Uh, and so it's just like when you, <laughs> uh, but um, but that's one of the biggest things. It's just like when you commit to a relationship with somebody who loves you and cares for you, that person, uh, God 
God, I think, is has this immense measure of love for every single yeah, one of us. Yeah. It doesn't matter what we do as long as we keep coming back to him and we say, it's like, you apologize and actually repent. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between saying that you're sorry and then doing it again yeah. and saying that you're sorry and actually turning a new leaf. Yeah. And so that's one of the biggest things. Is like, I love what Samara said with, like, it is a continuous decision to be able to be in a relationship with God. However, it's not something that you abuse. Like, God is somebody who cares and loves you, and he calls you his. And to be his and to be in a relationship with him means that we are also reflecting that love in loyalty to him, making decisions that not only reflect who he is, but also loving him in who he is in your personal relationship with him. And so, again, it's just like, just because you say yes, that also should come with an expectation, I think, from each other and from ourselves to be able to commit to that relationship by not by giving up the things that you are holding on to before and honestly submitting some of the things that we love to do even if it's sinful is one of the hardest things and so I just want to encourage you guys if it's if that's something that's stopping you from a relationship with God and actually living in his purpose in you man I would almost guarantee that I I actually guarantee that God's love is so much bigger than whatever it is that you have to submit and so living that life is so beautiful that's a really I love that statement God's love is so much bigger than anything that we would need to yield to him. And, you know, I think a lot of this, like even all of these stories, I really think what God is communicating, he's communicating this picture to us that he's different. It's like he is saying, it's like, listen, I am not equal to you. And I think you had already said this earlier, Sam, you know, he's not your guidance counselor and he's not your peer, you know, he's not buddy Jesus. He's not your life coach. And, you know, when I think there's this, this aspect of, you know, where we see what God was showing. And I think even while, you know, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you know, in the newly formed church, I think God was using it as a, just as a, as a picture to remind the people, it's like, listen, I am the same God of the Old Testament. Yes, there's a difference. Yeah. But, but I am different. I'm, I'm holy. I came in the flesh as Jesus. I walked among you. I gave everything I am to save you, but I'm different. And I think there's this thing that when we approach God, God wants us to remember that he's invited us. It's a special invitation that he gives to us to come near to him. He is thrown wide open that door. And, you know, and he's saying there's, I want you, I want to be with you. And I think this is where the power of what Jesus, why Jesus came is, it was so necessary that, you know, God needed access to the human heart. And Jesus was the one that opened up that doorway, opened up that access. So God could now separate the sin from the sinner. He could separate all of that stuff from us that gets in the way of us really being able to become all he created us to be. And, you know, in Ephesians 2, Paul described it this way. He said, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else, but God. Can you say, but God? But God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. 
And then another place in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul describes this. He says, if anyone is united with the anointed one, that person is a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The anointed one who never experienced sin became sin for us so that in him we might embody the very righteousness of God. And somebody worded it this way. They said, Jesus made it possible for the bad, in other words, the sin to be eliminated from people, so bad people wouldn't need to be eliminated. Isn't that great? It's such a great statement. And you know, this whole picture of Jesus giving himself to absorb that judgment, God's judgment on the sin that we carried as human beings. And Jesus made it possible for our hearts to be transformed. And you know what? I want to, can you guys, can we give these guys a hand? Thank you guys for being up here. We're just going to ship. We're going to, we're going to close this out on a, on a different note, because there's something about this dynamic of who God is. You know, he made this promise. God said, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And God has gone the distance over and over and over to close the gap, to make it possible for us to be with him. And when it comes to, you know, his anger or his wrath against sin, and, you know, there's, there is, the, on this side of the cross, we do have a new picture God isn't the angry God up there ready to, you know, just smite us whenever we do wrong because of what Jesus has done on the cross. But I think what Sam, the point that she brought up about, you know, salvation, it's this direction that we go. It's not just, oh, I did that thing and thank you, Jesus, for being, you know, my buddy and saving me from hell or saving me from this and kind of do, I got it from here. You know, it's like God invites us into a relationship where we are dependent upon him every single day, every single moment. We're dependent on him for every breath we take. And when he looks at us, and this is the beauty of the cross. This is the beauty of what Jesus is. This is what the beauty of what the Old Testament people didn't have. When God looks at us, when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, when what Paul described as we are now by faith, Jesus, I receive what you did for me. I declare over my life, I'm not living for myself any longer. I am united with you. I am in you, Jesus. I am losing who I am because I want to be all that I am in you. How does that work? I have no idea. I just know it's a step of faith that God invites us into to say, Jesus, I am not going to live for myself any longer. I'm not going to live for my own desires, and I know I'm not going to get it right all the time, but I'm going to keep going in the direction that you're leading that I can follow in. And when we do that, we come to the cross and we live from that place of the cross. God looks at us and he doesn't say he sees his son. And he sees what Jesus has done for us, his life that was poured out for us. And God's hand isn't there to condemn. His hand is there to say, okay, come into what I have done for you. Receive what I'm giving you. I'm giving you my grace to be able to live in a way that you could never live on your own. I want us to invite us to all to stand and I want us to pray. And online, I want to invite you to pray as well. And You know, obviously, 25 minutes, we cannot cover the whole extent of, okay, now you've learned everything about why God is angry and why he's not. Like, you know, this is simply to stir up some curiosity and plant some seeds into maybe one thought that might change your perspective. That God is a holy God. He is different from us. 
And we are far worse off than we could imagine. But we are also far more loved than what we could ever, ever, ever imagine. And you need to know that God loves you more than what you could ever know. And what he's doing today is he's extending you an invitation to say, I don't want to just live for myself any longer. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to invite you to close your eyes online. I want to invite you to, and I want to invite us. We're going to lead, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of saying yes to this invitation to follow Jesus, to receive his life, to receive his grace, to live in this relationship with the Holy God and to become transformed so that we reflect him into our world. Can we pray this together? Say, Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done for me. Jesus, I acknowledge that I am really terrible. I am a horrible sinner, and I need you. And I thank you that you love me more than I could know. And I say yes to living for you, no to living to myself, and yes to following you. Thank you for a brand new start. I am so thankful. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.